Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We have got a great show lined up for you today. We're looking at one of the great, if you will, families of diseases. It's uh, a topic that is something that you can't avoid in Indian country, but anywhere you go in the world, we are talking about the subject of autoimmune diseases, and I've got two amazing guests with me today to help us understand them better as well as solutions for you. Their names are Gabe and Jennifer Aruda. It is great to have you guys with us. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Hi, David. Thank you for having us. You guys have an amazing story, and I say you guys. It's uh, Gabe himself who uh, is really kind of the the person who your book is based on. The book is called How I Reversed My Autoimmune Disease. But as we tell the story... You can't go through a serious autoimmune condition and not affect everyone in the family. So both you, Gabe, and you, Jennifer, have personal experience with this topic, don't you? Definitely. Yeah, we do. So, Gabe, tell us your story. Well, the story really starts with my mother. My mother was uh, what you would call the health lady. Um, she was a lady who... Um, at a very young age, got into health, and if you had a sniffle or, you know, a cold, she she had a tea for you or a tonic for you or a tincture, you know, something like that. And uh, mm-hmm. I grew up with people from church coming over and her, you know, providing them with treatments and herbal solutions and stuff, and she was just the health queen, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but around um, the end of 1997, something strange started happening to mom. She started getting sick, and it just started with her skin itching all over the place. And it developed, uh, one thing led to another, and she started getting yellow skin, yellow eyes, losing weight. Uh, after a series of tests, it was uh, deduced that she had autoimmune disease, uh, autoimmune hepatitis. It just got worse and worse and worse. Uh, she had several um, trips to the ER. Um, she had one thing called esophageal varices, in which um, a blood vessels around the esophagus can burst and start dumping blood into your stomach. And um, she almost died uh, due to that um, mm. several times. Anyhow, it was clear she needed a new liver. Thankfully, she got a liver transplant. And that was wonderful in the year 2000. But then um, 12 years later, her symptoms came back. And that was wow. in, at the end of 2012. And um, unfortunately, the second time, um, she was unable to fight as long as she did the first time. And it ended up taking her life in 2013. Wow. So basically, here you're laying your mother to rest, and this is someone who all your life you grew up with thinking this is someone who, I mean, you might say, I mean, to my listeners, you'd say, she really got it, because people throughout Indian country, they talk about using the herbs, using the natural remedies. These are the traditional ways, and even though that may not have been your your mom's framework from which she was doing these things, I mean you would say she was a healthy woman as far as her lifestyle, right? Definitely, yeah. 
Now, Jennifer, I'm thinking about you. This is a fairly recent death, and you and Gabe have been married for some time, right? Yes. Uh, we were married for about what, seven years when this happened the second time. If she hadn't received the transplant, I never would have met her. So uh, I am so grateful to God that she was able to get the liver transplant the first time around because I wouldn't have met her otherwise. And she was just such a wonderful, bubbly, happy person. And uh, she introduced me to uh, many helpful uh, practices. And I remember uh, looking at her kitchen cabinet. You'd open the cabinet and there would be all of these natural herbals and tinctures, and so she really did uh, love health, and she ate a healthy diet, so it was very surprising and, and difficult to see her so sick, and she couldn't do anything about it, and that was what was so frustrating to her, because she knew so much, and she tried so many things to get well, and yet she just couldn't, she couldn't get well. Now, I've read some of your book, uh, and the book, for those of you just joining us, how I reversed my autoimmune disease. And as I was reading through this historical portion, it sounded like your mother's condition was just an isolated event. I mean, this is often the way it is with autoimmune diseases. There might be no one in the family who has the condition. But if I picked up the, the sequence right, it was after your mother's diagnosis that someone else in the was also diagnosed with the same type of autoimmune liver disease. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my grandmother, my mom's mom. So tell us about how that all played out. My mom got her liver transplant in the year 2000, and boy, we were all celebrating, and then just about a little over a year later, um, grandma started coming down with a lot of the same symptoms. Uh, she's already you know, much older than my mother, of course, and um, she saw what my mom went through, and she just did not have the will to fight like my mom did, and to go through all the ups and downs. And uh, unfortunately, in uh, 2002, it uh, took her life. Wow. And passed away. So, I mean, she, her condition only lasted a year or two, it sounds like. Yeah, it, went, it moved pretty fast. So all of this is impacting you two as a couple, you as individuals. You're seeing family members dying because of... Uh, a disease process that, I mean, often people say is pretty mysterious. I mean, it's not like an infection that you're well one day and then you are exposed to something. It's not like one of these chronic diseases where we might have certain risk factors or certain lifestyle factors. It's kind of a scary thing, isn't it? A lot of people are really mystified by it, and I think that's a lot of the fear factor is mm. that there's not as much widely known about it. So, Gabe, let me ask you this. So, at this point in the story, you know, your mom's initial diagnosis, she gets her liver transplant, your grandmother comes down with it. At this point in the story, this is a, a tragic thing. Family members are being impacted. But did you have any thought that this might come knocking on your door one day? Never. No, not at all. It was, I don't know, just something that happened to mom and grandma. I just never, ever imagined that. I would ever have to deal with anything even similar to what my mom had to go through. Now, you and Jennifer wrote the book in the first person, How I Reversed My Autoimmune Disease. So I know what happens. You find that the same condition seems to be affecting you. How did you connect those dots? So about six months after mom passed away, 
uh, I was recommended by a friend, a health professional friend, who said, you know, these things are very genetic. They run in families. Um, you ought to get tested. And so I actually thought that was a really good idea because I already had some issues with my liver. As a matter of fact, mm. uh, my uh, liver enzyme, bilirubin, was elevated and uh, had some other symptoms, slight jaundice symptoms, when, which means your, your skin starts getting yellow. So I already had some uh, signs that uh, something could have been going on with me as well. So you go and, and get testing done? What kind of testing was that? So um, after the, I got my liver checked out, saw some liver enzyme elevated, I also uh, got tested for food allergies. Hmm. And um, I thought, because uh, I heard they were very common with autoimmune diseases, and I didn't think that there was going to be, you know, really much to say about that. And I got a big list of 15 different foods that my body was uh, pretty much really having a problem with. And uh, you know, both the, the whole genetic factor, my mom and my grandma, um, I actually had an infection, skin infection as well. Um, I struggled with headaches and fatigue and um, all that stuff put together. It was kind of like the classic autoimmune picture. And uh, I, I was pretty sure what I was dealing with. Now, you know, it's interesting, you know, as you as you talk about this, because at least in the circles that I've been in as an internal medicine specialist, usually when we talk about autoimmune diseases, people aren't immediately saying, let's check a food allergy panel. Was that something that you had a particular interest in, or were you working with a healthcare provider who seemed to have that broader perspective on autoimmunity? Yeah, we had a good good friend of ours who we'd actually met right around the time when my mom was having her second bout, uh, which took her life with uh, autoimmune hepatitis, who had actually reversed her autoimmune disease, and she was a doctor from Peru. Hmm. Uh, she's a nurse here in the States, however. And um, she recognized that food, uh, food allergies in particular, are a big factor with autoimmune diseases. And so um, she recommended I get tested, and um, I did, and actually um, looked into some research and found that it's extremely common, and it's usually a sign of a damaged gut, which tends to be a foundation of why people are getting autoimmunity in the first place. So, Jen, I imagine you were probably relieved because Gabe, when he got his allergy testing back, it was probably all things that you didn't like to prepare and Gabe didn't like to eat. Is that true? <laughs> I wish I wish it were so. It, it was the opposite. You know, really, we had already, yeah, we had already adopted um, a plant-based diet years ago for health reasons, and you know, we felt great. And um, besides, Gabriel several symptoms, and so um, when we got the test results back, it was shocking because uh, gluten was at the top of the list. Mm. Uh, soy was too. And these are big staples of our diet, uh, especially if you're vegetarian. And so um, it was difficult to think about learning how to cook again, in a, in a sense, thinking about, okay, what, how do I cook without gluten? That means no bread. Um, but I wanted to be able to learn how to cook new recipes. I love to cook, and I take great pleasure in feeding the people that I love. And I definitely wanted to be that support for Gabriel during this time where um, at least he wouldn't have to worry that he wouldn't have any food to eat. Um, there were actually 15 foods he couldn't eat, you know, 
besides gluten and soy, um, there were even what you would call like common foods, potatoes, almonds, cashews. Um, and so we realized something big was going on here with, with a leaky gut. Wow. I mean, this is a, a topic that a lot of people would say, on one hand, is amazing. We're, you know, we're engaged. Other people are saying, I mean, this sounds kind of weird. I've heard this stuff about leaky gut. I'm not sure it's real. Here's what I would say right at this juncture. No one can argue with your story, Gabe. You were dealing with health issues. You get this information. You make changes. What happens when you start avoiding these foods? Well, it was really interesting. Prior to avoiding these foods, I really wasn't having any problems with them. Mm -hmm. But when I went on a break for about two months and I reintroduced them, boom, then I started having all kinds of problems. Uh, the biggest issue I would get was the headaches, sometimes terrible mind-splitting migraines. And that was the triggered immediately after I ate something that my body didn't like, which was showing up on this list. And so um, that's when I really realized that something had been happening. I, my body was just coping, I guess, because I was ingesting it so regularly. But once I gave it a break, it kind of had time to reset and launch an attack whenever um, they, I would reintroduce those foods into my body again. So if I'm hearing you right, sometimes you were a good patient and you were obeying the diet, but... Well, probably like all of us, especially when it's foods that you really like, you try it every now and then maybe just to have a little bit of something you weren't supposed to eat. Am I connecting the dots correctly? You know, not not really. It was uh, like I would get it on accident. Well, initially I did it just to experiment to see how I was um, actually relating to these foods. Mm -hmm. And then after I started having the symptoms, I would try to avoid it completely, but it was, it, was, it was a learning curve to learn how to avoid these foods. That I, we realized they were in a lot more places mm -hmm. than um, we previously had known. Mm -hmm. And so um, I would eat a meal, and boom, I'd get a headache. And I'd be like, oh, no. And then we'd look, and sure enough, there it is in an ingredient, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. soy or, or gluten or something like that. Wow. And so um, it was a real learning curve, and that, that's kind of how it went. We got to talk more about this. We got to talk about this whole concept of leaky gut, whether it's real or not, and, and what implications it has for, for people in general, whether they have autoimmunity or not. We want to talk more about your book and then about the practical things you can do for autoimmunity. We've got to step away, though. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We've got a lot more great material coming up with Gabe and Jennifer Arruda. Don't miss it. More right after this. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. 
Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're talking with Gabe and Jennifer Aruda. We're talking about autoimmune diseases. And I can remember, Gabe and Jennifer, some years ago when I was interested in the autoimmune diseases that affect the intestines. I've had patients over the years with conditions like Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. And I remember learning about a woman, a researcher by the name of Virginia Allen Jones. And uh, Dr. Allen Jones was actually looking at not only these autoimmune conditions, you know, everyone would say those are autoimmune, these inflammatory bowel diseases, but she was looking at things like irritable bowel syndrome that a lot of people don't put in the autoimmune category. And she was finding just what you experienced, that people would have these food intolerances that seem to be driving the condition. So we've been speaking especially about autoimmune liver disease, but as you've researched things and talked with others in the field, are you finding these food connections with other autoimmune conditions as well? Absolutely. They're really, really common. Um, you find them a lot with thyroid disorders, mm. like Hashimoto's or Graves. Um, you find them a lot with uh, arthritis conditions, rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, boy, you just go down the list. It's just a very, very common symptom of autoimmunity in general. Not 100% with everyone, but I'd say the majority. So basically, you've been making these connections in your own life. You've been doing research. You've put together your book, How I Reversed My Autoimmune Disease. And I know there's listeners that have probably already, if they've been with us from the top of the hour, if they have some autoimmune condition, whether it's rheumatoid arthritis or lupus or inflammatory bowel disease or uh, a condition that we may not hear as much about like an autoimmune liver disease, they may have already 
gone to Amazon and they're looking for your book, um, is it likely they found it there? Actually, no, they're not going to find it on Amazon. Where uh, We have it on our website, though, uh, on reverseautoimmune.com. That's where people are able to get access to that book. Okay, let me make sure I've got this. Reverseautoimmune.com? Yeah, you got it. So, so if, if I walked into my Barnes & Noble store or uh, another bookstore, they're not going to have it either. Am I picking up on that? Yeah, you got it. That's right. It's, it's exclusive on our website right now. Now, that's a little bit different marketing model than most of the authors that I have on the show. A lot of them say, well, we want it on Amazon. We want it in every bookstore. You guys must have a reason for just distributing it on your website. Um, yeah, the, the reason is because um, a lot of times, you know, they will just really drop the prices on the book and kind of force you to drop your own prices on your own website and uh, really kind of, it, it could run you out of business. And so we wanted to have a little bit more control. So you've heard some of the kind of publishing horror stories, and right now you've been putting the book out. You've got not only the book that bears the title I've mentioned, How I Reverse My Autoimmune Disease, but I understand there's some kind of a manual too. Is that right? Yeah. Jennifer, tell us a little, Jennifer, tell us a little bit about the, the manual. Sure. The manual goes along with the book, and it's a very practical uh, companion manual to the book where it has um, worksheets and charts and checklists that make the application of the book just really practical so you can uh, go through the steps that uh, we went through to reverse Gabriel's autoimmune. Um, we also have a lot of free ebooks on our website that you can go and download for free, and um, they cover topics like fatigue and uh, skin rashes that many times come with autoimmune. Uh, we also have a lot of videos on the website. So we're trying to funnel people to the website because we have a lot more on the website. Um, I have a lot of cooking videos. Uh, we're putting recipes on the website that are autoimmune-friendly. Um, so there's a lot of good resources that are free on our website that we would love people to take advantage of. So basically, if I go to reverseautoimmune.com, I'm going to get a lot more than just a place to buy your book. There's a lot of free content there that I can start benefiting from even if I never chose to buy the book, is that safe to say? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm glad Jennifer mentioned that. It's a really good point. We uh, Pretty much most of our material is free. Uh, we just have the one big book that is uh, people can purchase, but we have three free e-books and just tons of videos. There's a lot of education on there for people to learn more about um, uh, what they're struggling with if they have an autoimmune disease. Oh, this is great, great. And, cause I, and you're educating me because even though I knew about the book and asked you to join me on the show for that reason, I did not realize all that you guys are doing with the website. So for those of you tuning in, if you want to learn more about Gabriel and Jennifer and their story, the work they're doing, some of the free resources, reverseautoimmune.com. But we're not done, guys, because you've got a lot of great material. And I'm really interested as a physician, you've put together, Gabe, a five-part program for healing autoimmune diseases. Now, and I'm going to tell you why I'm interested as a physician. A lot of times when it comes to autoimmune diseases, uh, well, just to be honest with you, some doctors historically have thrown their hands up. In today's world, autoimmune diseases usually are ultimately a ticket to some very powerful drugs. 
So there's many drugs that have been developed over the last few decades that target the immune system. And so if someone has psoriasis or if they have rheumatoid arthritis or they have Crohn's or you know, one of these conditions, auto, not, maybe not so much autoimmune thyroid disease, they may not be using these newer drugs for that, but the deal is a lot of people are on these drugs that cost thousands and thousands of dollars. And people, if they watch television, they watch stuff on the internet, they'll get these ads, and if you listen to what goes along with it, they'll basically say, well, you know, you could die from this, you know, you could get cancer, you could get a serious life-threatening infection. Kind of scary business. So you're suggesting that you've got an approach that can help autoimmune disease without powerful medications and, in many cases, can reverse it. Am I hearing you right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Now, I'm just full yeah. disclosure, full disclosure for both you guys, Jennifer and Gabriel. I, I'm a little bit skeptical, okay? And I'm, I'm telling you why, because I've worked with natural therapies for many, many years, and I've seen some people do remarkably well. So I, I don't have any question that we can help people with these natural approaches. But I have also seen people with autoimmune diseases, and they just didn't get well, no matter what we tried to do uh, with the natural uh, strategies. So to come up with a plan that, you think might work for everyone. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit skeptical. It doesn't mean you're not right. That's why I'm here to learn as much as my listeners are. So you've outlined this in a five-step approach. Just give us kind of an overview first, if you would, Gabriel. Sure. Step number one is removing the harmful foods and toxins. And when I dug into the research, what I've seen, what I've heard, um, autoimmunity is really triggered by uh, toxins reacting in the body, confusing the body, confusing the immune system. So you have to remove that source of toxicity. That's step number one. Step number two, heal the leaky gut. Step number three is to nutrify, build up the nutritional content in the body. Step number four is cleanse and detox. And step number five is remove chronic stress. There's so much we could talk about about each one. <laughs> but uh, I know we only have an hour here, so... No, no, we, we definitely want to talk about these things in more detail. So what I jotted down is for the first step, remove harmful foods and toxins. Have I got that right? That's it. You got it exactly right. Okay, so you told us about your story, how you actually had a, a food allergy panel done. Now, I will you know, tell my listeners up front, there are some doctors that put a lot of stock in these uh, food allergy panels. Others think they're, uh, uh, they're just hogwash. Uh, to put it mildly, that they might use stronger language than that. I will tell you, I tend to, to come into your camp on this one. Uh, many years ago when I was doing my internal medicine training, I worked with someone who was actually the head of one of the allergy societies in the, uh, in the U.S. And in working with him, I mean, he was a definite believer that foods often played a triggering process in autoimmunity and allergy and he would routinely do these kind of blood panels as well as the conventional skin testing, which is used for allergies. So I'm on the same page with you, but you also mentioned toxins. And I think that raises people's concerns. I mean, what kind of toxins are you talking about? Uh, lots of them. Uh, we got about 84,000 different kinds of chemicals that are being dumped into our society every year. About 10% of those have actually been tested, that we actually know what they do. And so we are just saturated with uh, chemicals and different um, toxins. is a pretty broad statement. But, you know, 
traditionally what we're talking about is chemicals here. So in our air supply, in our food supply, in our water supply, things that just naturally shouldn't be there, things that have been created in the lab, things that um, many of which don't really agree with the body, cause confusion and destruction in the body. And so um, we have to figure out what those sources are and cut those off. Uh, for instance, with rheumatoid arthritis, it was found that um, living close to a local highway, freeway, would actually drastically increase someone's likelihood of getting rheumatoid arthritis hmm. based on the distance, how close they were to a highway. Just wow. because of the, you know, the toxic effect of all the emissions and so forth uh, that were coming out of the highway. Fascinating stuff. We have got to talk more about this. We've got to talk more about these solutions. And already, I think a lot of questions are emerging in people's minds, just like my own. For example, I mean, how do we avoid these toxins? I mean, how do we practically implement this? We're going to tackle that and other things in our next segment. I'm Dr. David DeRose. My guests, Gabriel and Jennifer Aruda, their book, How I Reversed My Autoimmune Disease. You don't want to miss our next segment coming up right after this. We'll be right back. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke, sudden weakness on one side, or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You are back with Dr. David DeRose for our second half of today's edition of American Indian Living. 
We're tackling a subject that often is not talked about, at least not in many medical circles, and that is lifestyle therapies, natural therapies that can make a difference in autoimmune disease. I'm learning along with you from Gabriel and Jennifer Aruda. Gabriel shared his own story in how I reversed my autoimmune disease. And if you folks have heard me refer to Gabe and Jennifer as being the authors of the book, it's because you guys wrote the book together. Isn't that true, Jennifer? Yes, it is. You know, since I've got you behind the mic right now, Jennifer, not that Gabriel couldn't chime in at any point, but you've already pretty much introduced yourself as the one who was the companion, the teammate of Gabriel as he's going on this journey and you're trying to adjust his diet and all. We just talked about toxins. And I guess the biggest question a lot of people have is whether it's proximity to a freeway or whether it's things that are in our air and water. I mean, is there any way that you can really avoid all the toxins in our environment? Well, you can't avoid all of them, um, but you can avoid a lot of them. And probably the biggest source right now that we're dealing with as a source of toxicity is something called GMO. Hmm. Now, GMOs, most people might not know what that means. It stands for a genetically modified organism, but you can call them GMOs for short. And it's basically plants that have had their DNA uh, altered to extend deadly doses of chemicals, of herbicides, of pesticides. And um, one of these chemicals uh, is the herbicide Roundup, which um, among many chemicals within Roundup, it has something in it called glyphosate. Um, as its active ingredient, and that is actually one of the deadly chemicals used in Agent Orange in the Vietnam War. So basically, we have this deadly chemical that was used in chemical warfare, and now it's being sprayed on a lot of our food that we're eating. And unfortunately, it does not even have to be labeled that it is GMO. You know, it's interesting that you're mentioning this, Jennifer. I was at a conference uh, listening to a physician speak about this, and a lot of people have gotten worried about the GMOs because they're genetically modified. But this physician was basically sharing what your concern is, and that is he wasn't so worried about the genetics of the, the corn or the soybean per se, but he was worried about the huge toxin loads that were being used on the land with these, quote, Roundup-ready crops. And I hear you saying the same thing, if I'm listening correctly. Well, yes, and actually it's both. Um, there was one monumental study that was done um, on rats for nine months, and they fed these rats GMO crops uh, without the chemical, so it was just the genetically modified plant without the chemical. Then they fed another group the genetically modified food with the chemical Roundup on it, and then they fed the, another group the non-GMO food with the chemical. So you have, and of course there was a mm. control group, so mm. you have all all the uh, categories here. And the, I wish I could show you a picture, but it's, it's on the radio right now, but these rats developed tumors larger than golf balls all over their bodies, all of the groups except the control group. So the ones that had the chemical that without the GMO, they got the tumors. The one with the GMO, without the chemicals, they got it too. And, of course, the group that had both had these huge tumors all over their body. And the reason this is why this is so significant is that uh, this is more 
similar to what would happen with a human because it was a longer time during the rat's lifespan as opposed to just something like nine weeks. And so this is similar to what would happen with us over the course of a lifetime. Interesting stuff. Um, you know, I want to see the study, and it's rats and not humans, but it's definitely, you know, you're raising uh, concerns here. And from my understanding, I mean, the two biggest crops that, you know, if you're looking at, at volume, when you talk about GMOs, are corn and soybeans. Is that still the case? Uh, yeah. Corn and soy are very big. And so that's something that Jennifer and I really watch out for when we're food shopping. That's something that we found we had to avoid. That is really interesting. And, you know, I think it resonates especially with many of my listeners, those that grew up on reservations where they had access to land and, and did some traditional uh, farming, corn and beans. Maybe it wasn't a soybean, but, you know, perhaps it was. I mean, I don't know every tribal tradition. But the thing is, I mean, this is really almost saying, hey, even if you're not Native, I mean, connect with the wisdom of First Nation peoples. I mean, they they were doing great things with agriculture. They were honoring the land, and they weren't using a bunch of chemicals. And if you needed another reason to appreciate the first Americans on this continent, I think you just made a good case for it already. Absolutely. We really feel like we need to go back to that. Otherwise, I think we're headed for some, well, we're already experiencing really disastrous results, and the statistics are showing it's only growing. Well, we got to move on because you gave us five points. We've talked about removing harmful foods and toxins. The second one we've alluded to already, and that was healing the leaky gut or heal the leaky gut. Um, it seems like I, I see a number of physicians that say, I mean, this is a real thing. It seems I've also run into people that say, you know, they, they don't believe that there is such a condition. What is your understanding of what leaky gut is? How does it occur? And is there any help for it? Sure. So the gut is aligned with these tiny finger-like projections called villi. And those villi... Um, they have a mucosal layer on them, and what their job is to absorb nutrients, things that we want to bring into the bloodstream and the rest of the body, and keep out things that are harmful, that shouldn't be in the bloodstream or the rest of the body. And um, what they're finding out is, and it's actually a, a matter of documentation now, is because we have pictures of this uh, we, where they're able to go in and microscopically find um, these villi are actually being uh, flattened out or they're being uh, eroded away and it's or pulled apart, it's actually creating microscopic little holes in our small intestine. And bad things that normally would be kept out by the villi are actually able to get through into your bloodstream and wreak havoc in the body. Wow. So basically, what we're talking about is anything that damages the integrity of the gut lining. Is that fair enough? Absolutely. Yeah. And at least, as I've heard the theory presented, the connection is that normally, for example, if we're talking about a protein, your digestive enzymes, your digestive system is going to break those into tiny little amino acids generally or a few amino acids before they're absorbed. But the thought is that if the integrity of the, the lining of the intestine is damaged, you might be taking up larger molecules that the body could react to. Is is that your understanding of the concern? Absolutely. Exactly, and that's why 
um, people are having so many food allergies, food allergies to things that you would consider normal foods. Um, you see kids these days going into the classroom where they're allergic to everything you can think of. And um, it's not just one or two allergies like it was years ago. And so this increase, I think, is a sign that we do have a lot more toxins in our environment, therefore going into our bodies and it's causing inflammation in our intestine. That's the first place it hits. And this is inflammation causing the leaky gut. And now you have everything passing through that really shouldn't be. So how do you guys heal it? What, what do you, in your program, recommend someone do to, to get the gut to heal? Well, the first step is so important. you got to stop the things that are promoting the damage, right? Okay. So that would be the first step. And after you got that down, um, there are several natural easy therapies that anybody can do that heal the lining of the intestines. Um, I could just mention a few of my favorites. Mm -hmm. uh, aloe vera. Okay. The gel from aloe vera is very, you know, it heals skin, right? Like it heals sunburns mm -hmm. and uh, cuts. Well, it's very, it has a very similar effect inside of the body as well and in the gut. Um, turmeric, another fantastic uh, healer, uh, calms down inflammation. Uh, heals the lining of the small intestine. Um, there's uh, an anti-inflammatory healing broth that uh, we learned about where it's got the main ingredients are potato and onion. Hmm. Boiling those two things and drinking the, the broth from that. Throwing in ginger, turmeric would also be another thing. Putting in a little salt to make it delicious. Um, heals and really uh, nurtures the, uh, the lining of the small intestine and binding up those um, Great stuff. Now, you've got three other areas, and I've got a challenge. Every show, when I get a great guest, a great couple of guests in the case of, of you guys, that the clock always seems to beat me, and we never get to ask everything that I'd like. But I'm looking at the two, or actually the three other areas I've mentioned, Nutrify, Cleansing, and Detoxing. And then the last one had something to do with stress. Remind us what that was. Step five is remove chronic stress, and um, a lot of autoimmune patients actually get that their symptoms start with a stress event. Hmm. So it could be a physical trauma, it could be an emotional trauma, like a divorce or a loss of a loved one. Um, my symptoms really acted up a lot more shortly after my mom passed away. Wow! And so that was very similar with me. And so we got to learn how do we deal with that. This is uh, so pertinent, and, and I'll, I'll I'll tell you the truth. I was interviewing someone else. Actually, it was a discussion. It wasn't a formal interview. And this is also a, a talk host. Actually, he's a, a TV talk show host. And one of the things, as we were speaking about different health topics, he said, you know, everybody talks about stress, but no one really gives a lot of practical information. I mean, this was just his take. He was saying, yeah, everyone says, you know, don't be stressed, uh, you know, control stress. And he had an interesting observation, too. He said, um, it's not macho to be stressed. So you talk with a guy who says, no, I'm not stressed. And he's doing all kinds of stuff that are, are driving some of these chronic conditions. Do you, too, in your book, in your resources online, do you give practical things that people can do to control these chronic stressors? We absolutely do. We, uh, we want to make everything as practical as possible, because otherwise what good is it? Um, to, to help people with, um, you know, even if we can kind of 
pretend like we don't have the stress or, you know, we just let it try to let it roll off our back. You know, everyone knows what it feels like to have a knot in your stomach, um, you know, a lump in your throat, mm. or maybe your blood begins to boil. So these are all things maybe you can control on the outside, but on the inside, you're really experiencing um, a high amount of stress. And, you know, one thing that we realized as we started researching was that uh, many people experience stress because of things that happen to them as children. There's actually wow. something called adverse childhood experiences, mm-hmm. and it actually affects you way into your adult life, and unless you're able to deal with it, um, you, you hold on to it, and that can actually um, just eat you up inside. And so uh, one of the things we do talk about to try to relieve that and actually deal with that is um, forgiveness. And we have um, step-by-step approach for how to go through steps of forgiveness. Well, this is great stuff, Jennifer. We have got to step away just for a couple of minutes. We're going to be back, though, with a final segment on today's topic, dealing with autoimmune diseases. And we're going to really give you some more practical things that you will want to use. If you can't stay with us, by all means, go to reverseautoimmune.com. Reverseautoimmune.com. That's Gabe and Jennifer's website. But uh, stay by if you at all can. More on stress management and other things that can help you avoid that autoimmune disease. Don't go away. We will be right back. Today's broadcast has been pre recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1 800 775 HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand, and someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. 
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose for our final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. Gabriel and Jennifer Aruda sharing their own journey especially Gabe's journey, if you haven't been with us from the beginning of the show. We say especially his because he was the one that uh, has been sharing how he beat an autoimmune liver disease with natural lifestyle therapies. But Jennifer herself has uh, not just been a passive observer. She's been uh, actively involved as you've been listening in. As we closed out the last segment, we were speaking about something that really resonated with me. Many of my listeners know if you've been uh, tuning into the show over the last few years about our book 30 days to natural blood pressure control in that book we talk about factors that are important for optimizing blood pressure and one of the things we highlighted was the power of forgiveness in fact i just came out with a new book called the methuselah factor it has to do with living longer and better and again as i was looking at things that can help us with that i had to include material on forgiveness you guys are now bringing up the subject of forgiveness and its connections with autoimmune disease. Help us connect those dots, Gabe. Yes, so um, there was a really interesting study done by Kaiser where they, they essentially put a test together to determine whether or not people could say they had a traumatic childhood experience. Mm. And the interesting thing they found with this test, uh, they called it the ACE test, the ACE test, is that higher uh, scores with this test indicating, you know, a traumatic childhood, also correlated with way higher increased chances of getting a chronic illness, like an autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. It was a very strong connection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we've got to learn how to deal with that chronic stress that oftentimes stems from things that happen to us at really early ages. Now, it's interesting that you're, you're talking about the ACEs. Not all that long ago, Patrick Anderson, who's a lawyer and a leader in Indian country, a Native uh, leader, was on the show, and he was speaking about this very same topic. And he talked about some very interesting strategies, uh, things that that I hadn't heard of uh, before, at least put in this context. And one of them was cultivating smiling. He said, when you're feeling stressed, one of the quick things you can do is smile, and it actually can change what's going on on a neurochemical basis. It can change the stress response. So it got me interested in the topic, and I, I started looking into this, and I found that if someone has Botox injections and they target the smiling muscles, like the crow's feet around the eyes, they've actually shown that it increases risks of depression, presumably because a person can't smile as much. And wow. so you guys are tapping into what a lot of people would say are, are social and, and spiritual connections with health. And you're saying this has a big uh, impact on autoimmune diseases, don't you? Absolutely. And uh, forgiveness being a real major feature of how do we deal with that stuff. I mean, typically, you know, all of us have been done dirty at some point. You know, it's a rough mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Some of us worse than others. But, you know, it's in the past. Wait, what can you do about it? And so we really found four basic steps to help you forgive and the first of that being, you got to realize that your offender can never pay you back. Mm-hmm. You know, we spend our whole lives chasing people to get back what they took from us. You know, you took my innocence, you took my peace, you took 
my family member, and you're chasing someone that can never give that back. And so you got to really realize you can't get that back from your offender. Well, who can? I think God can. God is the one in many instances can give us back those things that have been taken from us, our innocence, our peace, and even in some cases, I believe, in the future, our family members. So are those the, the first two steps, you realizing what the offender can't do and what a creator uh, could do? That's actually just the first step, uh, realizing that your, your offender can't pay you back, only God can. And so what about the other steps? So the second would be, uh, you know, we've got to remember we've been forgiven something, too. You know, we remember all the bad things that have been done to us, and we conveniently forget all the bad things we did to other people, right? Mm. And so we've got to remember, hey, there's people that need to forgive me for things that I have done. And so I'm really in the same boat, and to a greater or lesser degree, with everyone else, you know, I've done things. And uh, step three is you've got to separate yourself from the bitterness and the anger. And in my opinion, this really takes supernatural power. You know, when you're bitter, when you're angry, I think it takes divine intervention to come in and take that root that out of your heart. I think that can be accomplished by, by prayer and uh, also by claiming God's promises. And then the very last step, step number four, would be accountability, something you don't hear about almost ever when we're talking about forgiveness. But if it's possible um, and physically capable, confront your uh, perpetrator, the person who has hurt you, um, in a kind, uh, you know, loving way, but, um, you know, vocalize yourself. And they found people who, who have vocalized themselves to their perpetrators actually do better than those who bottle it up and just keep it inside. Interesting, interesting. So, of course, it sounds like you're coming from more of a Christian perspective, but people who might say, I don't want anything to do with Christianity. Maybe I'm you know, traditional Native, um, you know, I, I, I don't uh, want anything that's Christian. They could still read your book and look at these solutions, and they would find things that were applicable to them, or is it kind of, you're basically saying, hey, if, you don't, uh, if you're not a Christian, you, you can't forgive people. Um. You're right, yeah, we are coming from a Christian perspective, but yeah, there are so many principles in the book that apply to pretty much uh, any walk of life anyone's coming from, and um, they're all things that they could derive from that and um, tremendously benefit by putting it into practice. So that that's helpful to know, but the other thing is you got so much just kind of practical health stuff in there, too. So you've got the social, the spiritual, the stress management component— but we haven't really talked a lot about nutrifying or cleansing and detoxing. And we've got to talk about this because there's been so much interest lately in the topic of fasting in the medical literature. Is this one of the approaches that you recommend? Because, of course, this is something that's been uh, held in esteem throughout Indian country as well. Absolutely. Um, that's actually one of the first things that we talk about when we talk about detoxing and cleansing. You know, they're actually looking for a drug right now, trying to create a medication, uh, which is not in existence right now, um, but they're looking for one that will detox your body, specifically your brain, at a cellular level. However, uh, even short-term fasting will actually do this process. When you do fasting, um, your body goes into something called autophagy, which literally means self-eating, which sounds kind of bad, but it's actually good. It's the recycling process that happens in your body. So uh, when you start fasting, the dead or diseased cells are hunted down and they're recycled to produce new cells and energy. 
And that can happen all throughout the body in organs like your liver, and it even happens in the brain. And if, you, if it doesn't happen in your brain, um, you can end up with neurodegenerative diseases. And, um, you know, even something like a short-term fast with just water and maybe lemon juice for um, 36 to 48 hours um, has shown in studies to greatly increase this self-recycling process in your body. Now, another thing that, that I've been interested in for some time is uh, something called brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And uh, this is one of those things that your brain makes. It's a compound made by the brain itself that actually helps to heal the brain. And one of the things that raises levels of BDNF is caloric restriction. So whether it's a fast or just eating less at a given meal. And as I look through your book, it seems like you, Gabriel, talk about problems with, well, actually overeating, don't you? Um, yeah, that's definitely an issue. Uh, overconsumption of calories is you know, linked with so many diseases nowadays. And, uh, you know, it's really easy to do that with our standard diet. And typically the foods that are going to do that are bound up with a lot of toxins, you know, going back to what we were discuss discussing earlier, mm -hmm. uh, food additives, chemicals that weren't found, you know, in our diet 100 plus years ago, you know, they're not found in natural, you know, actual real food as it comes from the ground. Well, believe it or not, we are just about out of time, but I know there's a lot of folks who want to actually get your book or at least check out your website. Can you help us again? How do we get to the website and give us the name of the book again? Sure, yeah. The website name is reverseautoimmune.com. And um, again, we got a ton of free material on there. We got several free ebooks. Uh, but if you want to go for the, you know, the big, I'm not messing around with this thing, 142-page uh, ebook. Uh, that's available on there as well, and it's called uh, How I Reversed My Autoimmune Disease. Great. So again, reverseautoimmune.com. That will take you to Gabriel and Jennifer's website and all those helpful resources. As we wind up, Jennifer, for someone who's been on this journey with uh, an autoimmune survivor, any uh, final thought to uh, leave our listeners with? Absolutely. I would just say, as you're suffering, as you are healing... Look and see what's happening in your heart, what you're benefiting in your character. That was the most important thing that my husband and I gained through this whole thing, and we gained an amazing um, emotional and spiritual experience through the whole process. Wow. Healing as whole people, it can happen even with a chronic disease. Reverseautoimmune.com. Thank you, Gabriel and Jennifer. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We gotta go. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of American Indian Living. For all of us, I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.